Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Blood and Mud podcast. The podcast that's found yet another reason to hire a mini digger, Josh. Really? This is exciting news. Hit me. I'm hard landscaping some paths. I mean, that sounds like a job for a mini digger to me. Well, you've got to dig out, then line, then edge, then shit, but yeah. I could spend about three days digging it out with a shovel, but that's no fun, is it? So, at what point does it become more cost effective to buy? Oh, you're yeah. a long way off that. Okay. I can get a, I can get a mini digger for two hundred quid for the weekend. I mean, yeah, that's very reasonable to be fair. Which, and and basically, I think if you want to buy one, you're into the like over ten grand. I think so. Yeah, that's that's instantly, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on the used market, I'm assuming the cheaper. But uh, I mean, yeah. But do you really want to be sitting around in somebody else's digger ass crack? You know. Well, exactly, no. exactly. So yeah, so that'll be happening because more garden, 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 garden. Very I started exciting. watching that Your Garden Made Perfect, that virtual reality thing. Gives you. Fun oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like just. It's. I can't even contemplate having a garden that perfect. To be honest. Oh yeah, mine isn't going to look like that. It just gives you some no. ideas. It's yeah. also the um, there's it's it's an offshoot. Oh, James Crone <laughs> straight in six grand on eBay for a use for a used mini digger. <laughs> See, that's a lot of two hundred quids, though, isn't it? It is a lot of two hundred quids. But imagine just having one sat on your drive the whole time. Oh, the pa- the come power past and just the people look at you as the kind of you could carry yourself. As the kind of person that owns a mini digger, the, yeah, that, that has such need for a mini digger that they have passed the need to hire and are into full ownership. Carry yourself with the quiet authority of a person who owns, a, who owns a mini digger. Yeah, that's an offshoot of the Your Home Made Perfect. Um, mm. Have you ever watched that one? Yeah, I really watch it because of the mad Irish fella in series one. He is yes, I, I also liked him. 
who, did, who designed spaces that couldn't be lived in but yeah. were interesting. <laughs> yeah, you see it, was classic, the toilet it was the classic. The classic. The yeah. toilet capsule with its with the stairs wrapped round it. <laughs> it's like an open this... plan living room with this like fucking more fucking Mork and Mindy egg in the corner for you to have a shit in. But this, but what I like about him was that he's effectively sort of embodying the same chaotic energy that OG changing rooms brought to <laughs> interior design shows, in that they would do something to your room that you didn't want, you didn't like, and was entirely hideously impractical. But like. But he's doing that on a such quite literally a grand scale. You've got to, you've got to respect that. See, I think changing rooms now would be pitched as a neighbours from hell type program. Oh, he absolutely would. This is the thing. Like you know, people, your neighbours would take your front room, and they paint it sort of. They one of the walls would always be red. And <laughs> it was the nineties though. It was a lot of mighty. burnt orange being slapped around. You know? <laughs> There'd be animal print cushions on your sofa, <laughs> and the whole thing would just look fucking appalling. And then they'd expect you. And sometimes people would cry. It's easy to forget that, like, in, now that we live in a world where, like, interior design shows are invariably about giving you the house that you want, like, in those days, people would quite often cry when they saw what someone had done to their fucking front room. Yeah. You wouldn't get that these days. And Linda Barker, that blonde one from Yorkshire. I'm just yes. going to put this on the wall. I think it's going to. It works really, really well. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but she's fucking striking, Linda. <laughs> she's sixty now, Linda Barker. She would be, I guess, because I mean, it was yeah. what twenty five years since that was on. Yeah. She, and she probably, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So uh, your homemade. Perfect. What if you don't? You haven't watched series series two. He's gone, the Irish fella. Either he's either he said I'm not into this anymore, or they've said you're mad. We can't be doing this no more. He's yeah. gone because some know. of the shit he came up with was absolutely <laughs> incredible. Uh. So yeah, so hello everybody. Uh. I'm Lee. Nice to see you all. And over there is back for his second uh. week. Yeah, two weeks without interruption. A new record uh, in my new new thing. Yeah, you're, you're a slightly you know a few minutes late logging on tonight. And I, every time you do that now, I'm just thinking, oh, he's not coming on. Something's gone terribly wrong. But yeah, it's, um... I mean, today it did very did nearly go wrong, but today it was a a quesadilla emergency as opposed to a baby emergency. So, oh, uh, and it's well comparable as well. That's well, the basically thing. the same thing. It's hard yeah. to know which would be the most upsetting. <laughs> but it's um, yes. Yeah, so hello, Josh. Hello, everybody. So you've been up to much? Well, apart from you know. Having quesadilla problems and looking after the baby, even up to much? Uh, yeah, busy week this week, actually. Like, uh, enemy awards on Wednesday night. So, uh, yeah, as you do, as I do now, apparently. Um, a bit less uh, newsworthy and hectic than last time, but, you know, an enjoyable night. I saw a bit less newsworthy. Uh, There's a vicious rumor going around. You stood quite close to Natalie and Bruglia. That's that's very uh, newsworthy in my world. I mean, yeah, Natalie and Bruglia was there, and Ashleen B was there, uh, and her off Love Island was there. So it was a, a real I night. I literally for, don't know anybody off Love Island. Uh, Laura Whitmore, the presenter, who is quite attractive. Um, <laughs> either way, it was it was a good night for me being in the same room as people I fancied. Um, but yeah. <laughs> And, and Robert Smith was there, who I don't fancy, but I do love. And it was very weird seeing How old is he now? That's the question. Well, they're in, you know, Robert Smith, 
He must be in his absolutely 60s now. No, yeah, he's, he's got to be like 61, 62, something like that. And absolutely nothing about him looks like it should work anymore. He looks like your grand's had a big win on the bingo and she's gone fucking ape shit. But honestly, man, like, like he was playing with uh, Electro Poppers churches who were doing their uh, their collab single together. But then apropos of nothing, he just, uh, you know, decided to do an impromptu fucking bit of cureness and, you know, uh, and play just like heaven. And this nice, strange looking, and uh, you know, this strange looking 62 year old man with mad hair and makeup slathered all over his face, barely moving. And just that he's got a he captivated absolutely captivated the room, and everybody genuinely just, nobody sings like him. No, I think his voice is remarkable. Even aside the stupid hair and the back comb yeah, and yeah. all that madness, yeah, it's like his whole thing is a show shouldn't work. Like it worked, like when he was young and thin, and it was the eighties. Fair, like fair enough, you get it. But like now, it all should be a bit tragic and ridiculous. But that guy opens his fucking mouth, and it's just like you can hear a pin drop because he's just—he's remarkable. I do like um I like the because of that whole back combing and makeup thing. I'm pretty sure throughout his all of his fame, he could probably just like go down the shops because he yeah, didn't have like, makeup and back combing going on and just look like a fella doing his shopping. Yeah, I reckon if you just put. Robert Smith, you know, and didn't and just sounds all on. that. Yes. Yeah. If you put a beanie on Robert Smith without makeup, you could <laughs> literally walk into any pub in the world and nobody would know who he is. But oh, yeah, just such a fucking genuine great, proper genuine actual all yes, time brilliant great. I loved the Cure when I was a teenager because you know standard. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's um. The churches, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I had Church's first album and didn't. I know. also quite fancy Laura Maybury, so it was yet another. I don't, know, I don't know what they look like. I, also remember, I remember quite liking The Mother We Share and then Lost Interest. So Yeah, I like her voice, even though it's quite sort of shrill. I don't know. I think she's a very good singer for it. I'm off to Rockverker this year, speaking again. Oh, very nice. Yeah, where there's. Sh- Perfect. It's gonna... the best of all worlds because it's like about 200 quid for a ticket. It's four mm-hmm. days and mm-hmm. I'm not camping. Oh, that's the best. I've got a hotel in Leuven and there's a free Lovely. shuttle bus that goes in and out. Like Perfect. And like the Saturday night, I'll be honest, is a bit shit, so I probably won't even bother going in for that. <laughs> i just do the afternoon and then come home. I think Casey See, Musgraves is... is on and then I'll go around done now. So, But this is the thing, though. Like I would genuinely like... The Glastonbury lineup this year is fucking fantastic. Like, talk about back with a bang. There's at least 25 artists that I would really love to see in that scenario. But I am simply not going and sitting in a tent. Yeah. I simply will not. And I'm not paying for glamping. So, unless I can try, I'm going to try and convince the enemy to let me come on their bus. But otherwise, I'm just fucking. I was looking no. at a festival in this country. An Airstream trailer for four nights was five grand. See, that's just too that's just, that's just silly. It's silly. Ridiculous. You know, a yurt was two grand, I think. <laughs> but therein lies the thing, isn't it? Like, that is the thing with doing anything in Britain now. 
is that it is just fucking too expensive and not as good as it's cracked up to be. Yeah, the um, the, the headliners have worked on a Saturday. Imagine Dragons. <sighs> Don't understand. Genuinely, I feel like they only they make music for computer game adverts. Oh, I can't even. Are they the ones who did Radioactive? Can't remember. Don't know. Literally, guns literally, I've got head. no like... fucking interest anyway. But it's terrible. Friday night, Pearl Jam. Remember some of that? Nice. I never saw Pearl Jam, despite loving them dearly in the nineties. Never quite got round to seeing them. So I'm quite. They're very, to that. very good live. I've heard. So. Yeah. Chili Peppers on Sunday. Probably give that a miss. Shanty's back though. You know. That's true. Killers, Killers are on. They've got always reasonable value, aren't they? Yeah, Even if you're not massively life. into them. Black Pumas, my new favourite band. They're playing. I fucking love Black Pumas. They are rad. Yes. Um, Leon Bridges for another bit of soul tinged wonder. Indeed. He's playing. Love, he's a hell of a guitar player and a hell of a vocalist. Yes. So anyway, yeah. So I'm going yes. there. That's uh, in June. So yeah, mm-hmm. exciting stuff. So yeah. I also went to a gig on Friday. Oh, very nice. First gig back for a while. I went to the Sheep Dogs, my favourite oh, nice. Canadian yeah. Southern rock outstanding band. Because I've interviewed the guitarist because for your uh, for your August publication previously, mm-hmm. I had a chat with him afterwards. He's a very nice fella, Jimmy Bowskill. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous guitarist. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. seeing him live, it's just uh... it's depressing. I felt like coming home and setting fire to everything that's hanging on the wall <laughs> behind me. Yeah, see... so there's no fucking point in this anymore. That's why the Enemy Awards are quite good for that this year because obviously Robert Smith makes me want to never play music ever again because I can't never do that. But it was relatively light on musicians that made me want to give up. Like, like with love and respect to bring me the horizon, they don't make me want to give up on music. Um, yeah. Sam Fender's very good. You know? Oh, he's playing Verk, so I'm looking forward to seeing him. I like Sam. Yeah, really yeah. good. Like, like, absolutely sold out to fucking Hell to Betsy Springsteen. Well, yeah, that's like, why I like him. Especially, especially Who doesn't in like a, a, a young man from Newcastle trying to be Springsteen. What's not to like? <laughs> it's like, especially in a live setting, it's like, holy shit! There's not even that much saxophone on your records. <laughs> you are, you have gone to town. Uh, and gave an awards acceptance speech, acceptance speech that was so unbelievably drunk and probably. My son listening. shared that with me. Just uh, so good because he was so because he found it so incredibly charming. How pissed he was, yes. Because <laughs> he was, you know, sober as a judge when he was on. He opened the show sober as a judge, and then two hours later, by the time he was getting his best fucking album award or whatever, they were fucking cunted. <laughs> and <laughs> and and he, it was the most Geordie thing I've ever seen. Because it was probably the most Geordie thing I've seen since uh, Paul Gascoigne in Royal Moat. Just like Georgie to the point of Did being he have an a fishing rod with him. Was it? Was it? Was I mean, it... I wouldn't have bet against it. I know for a fact that they, uh, he and his band, um, went around clearing all the backstage dressing rooms of any remaining grosh in the fridge, um, and, <laughs> and were delighted with Sponsored it. Sponsored by Grosh. It was <laughs> the official. Do you know what? It was the official beer of the NME Awards, and it has been, which meant that it was the only beer at the NME Awards. <laughs> That's like I went to download, and the official beer was Tuborg. In <laughs> so it was pints of Tuborg in a, in cardboard and plastic glasses for the whole weekend. Yeah, I haven't drunk Grolsch since 
I don't know, I was probably about... Did you realise what it tasted like? When you well, were exactly, until I realised what the hangover was like. But <laughs> literally, all I drank all... Because then we went to the after party, and I was thinking, right, I'll have something different now. And I went up to the bar in the after party and went, What's the beers? what beers you got, mate? And he put two 500ml cans of Grosch on the thing Cans probably. as well. <laughs> Just to <laughs> emphasise that slightly sour taste at the end of Grosch, you get the metallic as well. <laughs> In the awards, we had the, the classic glass, glass bottle with the flicky silly top yeah. with the yeah. free, uh, free strap locks. That but Bros like, used to put on their shoes. Indeed. And we even had like magnum-sized ones, of which I know Sam Fender's band took at least three. So basically like a magnum-sized bottle of Grolsch, complete with, uh, and I, uh, yeah, it was hard to drink. That's all I can say. And genuinely, I've forgotten what a Grolsch hangover felt like, but the headache is unlike something, anything that I've experienced hangover-wise in about 15 years. It was horrific. But, you know, thanks for sponsoring the NME Awards, guys. Please do it again next year. Reportage from there, you know. <laughs> Fabulous stuff. The um, last bit on the Sheepdogs, uh, Jimmy mm. Bosco's got a new guitar. Oh, yeah? What's he got? 1970s um, Strat, natural finish. Oh, nice. Maple, ah, maple, maple. Sounded a lot better than I thought it would. The 70s Strats are not as bad. Like, they get a bad rep. And rightly so, because CBS era was a fucking car crash. But like, because there are some good '70s strats out there, and some very good ones. He but... made it sound great. I think that might be more to do with him. So I mean, yeah, there is that as well. So the other thing that's happened this weekend: big news in the Calvert household. Hello. The first mowing of the season has happened. The petrol mowers come out. Lovely. Fresh stuff. fuel's gone in. The oil's been checked. First cut done. To be first and second cut in one afternoon. Setting four, moved it down to setting two. This is what living is, Josh. This is what living is. That is living large and living real. It is. So, yeah, went to a gig, mowed me lawn. That's a proper fucking dad weekend, let me tell you. Oh, I took a very tall piss as well. Um, Tall piss? Yes, because I had a meeting in the Shard on uh, Thursday morning. (laughs) And it's a very tall piss. Is that the highest piss you've done, do you think? I think it's probably the highest. Leaving pissing. aside aircraft, aside from aircraft, that is the highest piss I've done, definitely, because it's it's on the thirty something floor, thirty seventh floor or something. Lovely view as well. They've got urinals that just open out onto a big panoramic window overlooking London, so you can piss, enjoying the full view of the city. I've never been up there when it hasn't been cloudy though, so I can't really tell you what it looks Speaking like. Speaking of aircraft, I watched the Boeing documentary on Netflix about how they shit housed everyone and killed loads of people because of that Boeing seven three seven Max. That was a right laugh. If you oh yeah, yeah, you up. Yeah, it did. I, I I might have to go on a plane sometime soon, so I, I'm just going to avoid that. <laughs> it's it all boils down to whatever the outcome is. The reason is always corporate scumbaggery. I was going to say it's always the way that somebody somebody somewhere in corporate land wanted to save a nearly insignificant amount of money <laughs> yeah. and so so there yes. you go that's what we've been up to if you want to get in touch with us and tell us what you've been doing you can get in touch with me at blood and mud or lee at blood and on female and what about you josh uh at josh gardner or at rock underscore mag uh yeah we are on the Sports Social Network, as you may or may not yeah. have heard. We're on Apple and all that stuff. We're also on Patreon.com. Slash Blood and Mud. 
where you can come along, come along and come along um, and get some extra stuff. I'm putting in a Team of the 90s episode sometime this month. And it's going to happen because Josh isn't involved. Which is not to say it's his fault that he hasn't... It's not his fault it hasn't happened so far. I want to stress that. But I'm removing the, you know, variables of quesadilla or baby-related problems, which means... Yeah, you never know. You never know with, like, what... You know, at any time, a quesadilla emergency could could come. And, you know, we can't legislate for that shit. No, so basically we're getting we're going to get a guest in to look at it and we're finally going to do the Inside Centre episode, I think. So, yeah, that'll be happening if you're a VIP. Or not if you're a VIP, just if you're a patron. £2 a month, £20 for the year, you'll get that episode plus loads of other extra stuff. Or you can mm. pay £5 a month or 50 quid for the year and get us having a go at doing a biography of your Ooh, name yes. based on what kind of rugby player we think it might be. We've had a few. We've had a few build up over the past couple of weeks, as I kept forgetting about, so I've got a few in this week. So first of all, thank you very much. Up to the VIP lounge is Stephen Gillen, who's taken up an annual membership. Very oh, sensible of him. Get it out of the way. Pay it once, done. And he says, um, so he didn't say anything. He just sent me 50, he sent 50 quid for the year. So he instead, what I'm saying about Stephen is veteran blindside for oligarchians RFC. Lovely, topical. Thank you. Has had the same pair of Adidas flanker boots since 1995. Yep. Absolutely fucking loves selling Sunset on Netflix. <laughs> Can't get enough of it. Uh as he as he graduated to selling Tampa though. I watched no, I watched I watched one episode of Selling Sunset and I, I think I'm just old. I was just like, this is so awful. Yeah. And not no, even it, good awful. So scriptedly awful that I can't even like go with it. I think I've got a relatively high threshold for shit. And yeah, I can't. I can't watch Selling Sunset. It's when I watch terrible. Cobra Kai, yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm not precious about how stupid something might be. I've I've watched Love Is Blind Japan. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> is Marie Kondo in it? Is she demanded people spark <laughs> no, joy, then drown them if they don't? But that would be lovely synergy. No, apparently not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I do sort of feel, wonder if my son will become extra intelligent now because we've been exposed to quite a lot of Japanese over the last couple of weeks as well as English. So that's how it works, I think. That is how it works, yeah. Yeah. So who have you got, Josh? Oh, I've got uh Ian Wallace, the wall, as he's known, uh yes. at Fleetwood Max RFC. Uh <laughs> Ian is a teak tough defender who hasn't missed a tackle in three seasons. Sadly, no amount of coaching interventions can convince him that the absolute best place to tackle someone is the no man's land between their nipples and their eyeballs. As a result, he's only played the full 80 on four occasions this season, has been banned for roughly half of his team's games. Welcome, Ian, and thank you. Indeed. Uh, finally, we've got Josh Wilson. Um, fullback for retrograde taxation RFC. Um, oh, his nickname is Not Jeff. Yep. To go, your Fair ball, enough. not Jeff. Mm-hmm. Due to how little his abilities reflect the former Kiwi legend. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's in good company there uh, with most of the rest of us. But still, yes. you know, okay, so it's not his fault. Josh, not Jeff Wilson. Thank you very much, Josh. Uh, not you, him, Josh Wilson. I mean, I'll thank you as well, Josh, but you 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 don't give me money. No, I don't. So, um, and Josh has given us money, of course. But thank you very much for your support. It is wonderful. It never goes unwondered about that you still keep doing it. So thank you very much. 
we will continue to produce this every week, whether you like it or not, if you keep giving yeah. us support. So that's what's going to happen. So thank you, Stephen. Indeed. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Josh. And welcome to the VIP lounge. Grab yourself a vodka and lime. Have a go on the six-foot kaplunk. We'll be over in a minute. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Quite. So, should we begin as we always begin, Josh? I think we've had around. The spotting of a player or two. Another lovely patron, James, has been in touch on the patron messaging service because he gets that special access. Mm. Um, He says, I have a player spotted for you. Well, good, because... Otherwise, I'd be a bit off if you're a Yeah. He said, some months ago, I was sat in a Dobby's, formerly Wyvale, in Flansamlet, <laughs> enjoying a latte with my grandfather. Wonderful garden centre name clarification and history trivia there. It There's is. a Dobby's not far from us. True story. Yeah, I've um, been to a couple of Dobby's. Didn't they buy Yvale? Because I remember a couple. Of well, they've videos. done. Well, they've, they've changed the name. They've either bought it or taken it by force. So <laughs> they've, they've annexed. <laughs> yes. The they've annexed the Yvale Garden Centres. Yes. So um, we've come to a point now. I've come to a point in my life that I really it's, it's upsetting that I realize I'm gonna have to. Well, again, from watching this program, that I, mm. I might have to spend like more than I thought I needed to on plants. Yeah. Because if, if a plant's more than four quid, I pull a face. <laughs> and my wife said, like, a, Natalie's had like a two year campaign to get me to understand if I want to buy a reasonable size, nice bush. Oh, yeah. It yeah, might yeah. cost about yeah. 70 quid. Yeah. And I'm a bit like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remain amazed at how much plants can cost. Because it's like, it's not, you've got to grow them, you know? And, and the like, addition of like honestly. It grows it for you. We're there. Speaking of Japan, you want to buy an Acer? Oh, lordy. Honestly, and every six inches seems to cost you another 35 quid, it would seem. Oh, yeah. I think I bought my wife an Acer about 15 years ago, but because I wasn't that, you know, I wasn't earning what I'm earning now, it ended up being a very small Acer, frankly. Slow growing as well, see, that's a problem. You think I'll save it, let it grow. It's no bigger now. It's literally about. Has two, it just been heavily bonsai years. trimmed, or has it just never grown? <laughs> no, it's just never grown. I think it was a shit acer, to be honest. But... <laughs> it's not. It's actually just plastic. You just be saw yeah. you coming. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, James, in Dobby's, formerly Wyvale, in Clans mm-hmm. Clan Samlet, and join a latte with you, with your grandfather. What a lovely scene! That is a lovely grandfather scene. and having a latte with him. That's very nice. He says, as I sat down with said coffees, I looked to my right and saw a family enjoying a hearty cooked breakfast, speaking in both Welsh and English. 
Um, to my surprise, it was the brew. No, not that one, he clarifies. It was Nathan Brew. Oh, his family, all enjoying one. each other's company, speaking in Welsh and English. The lesser spotted brew. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so, yeah, Nathan Brew and his family there. He goes on, James, to say, as I used to work there as a busboy, I used to see a plethora of players at Dobby's, formerly Wyvale and Clan Samlet. He says, I've seen Samson Lee. Nice. Jeff Wheel. Lovely. Which is his second time in a spotted Jeff Wheel. I was going to um, say, we've seen him before. And Josh Matavesi. He says they all stick out as being very pleasant. Fair enough. Very pleasant people. Samson Lee in the yeah. garden centre. Buying only tools would be my guess. I was going to say, what's Samson Lee going to get from a garden centre? Not, I like, say, not yeah. plants, tools only. Tools only. Wasn't. Uh... Wasn't Nathan, was Nathan Brew the one who was like Scarlet's commercial director for a while? I don't know. He had, he a, had, quite he had a, a restaurant, post. didn't he, in Swansea? He did. Uh, he called it Papa Sancho's, I remember Papa that. Papa Sancho's, that's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I seem to remember him being head of commercial for the Scarlet's for a while, which I always just found a slightly odd thing, but fair play to him. We've had a message here that's one-upped me, and I'm feeling a bit jealous. <sighs> John <sighs> Green says, I mowed twice this weekend too. Hello. Before and after going to Bath versus Bristol, quality weekend. He says, "Look at that, a mowing, yeah, rugby match in yep. the person, come back, another mowing, another mow. You'll have earned your righteous pine to the end of that day, John. Have you what? Fucking hell, wouldn't you off? Wonderful stuff. So there you go, player spotted. Thank you very much, James, for sending that to the Patreon messaging service. If you've spotted a player doing something mundane in a mundane location, preferably, you can send that in to me at Blood and Mud. My DMs are open or lee at bloodandmud.com. Or you can use the Patreon messaging service if you're one of those lovely, lovely people. You can do that as well. So thank you very much, everybody. Indeed. We move on to what can only be described as the news, which is mostly I mean... about Six Nations squads, if I'm honest. I mean, to be fair, at least there is some news now. Whereas last week there was basically no news. It was no quiet, news. wasn't it? Well, you were back last week. That was the only news anybody needed to know about. Yeah, well, to, to be fair, yeah, they just they, like clear all the decks. There's no point in trying to compete with that for column inches or exposure. <laughs> uh, Emily Scarrett is fit again. Yes, as like, it joy beyond confined. Yeah, that England training squad that they've named for the Six Nations. Um, with Emily Scarrett back and Bryony Cleal back and Shauna Brown back. And it's just like, yeah, they were shit in the autumn as well, weren't they? They really missed them. <laughs> they really like, needed these three world-class players to come back in. I know. I think we can all safely say gulp. Um, and also really good to see Emma Singh get a call-up as well. She'd been bagged as fun for Gloucester this season, or Gloucester Hartbury, I should say. Yeah. But yes, good stuff. Women's Six Nations coming up at the end of this tournament, obviously. Yes, I've been asked to cover a bit of it by the Guardian. Oh, that's good. Well, only because I mean, only because the lady, the woman who normally does it, is not available. So I'm not. Oh, okay. I I hasten to add, I'm not. I'm not stamping all over an opportunity. (laughs) I'm just glad they're they're doing some minute by minute stuff with women's game because they. Yeah, they've done it since last year. Yeah. I really liked how the Women's Six Nations was after the men's last year because it made us able to focus on it more fully. And it made the Six Nations last longer. What's not? And it made the Six Nations. Yeah. Now I think are we going to get? 
No, because they've moved the under-20s back to the same time as the men's, haven't they? Because I was going to say, there was some talk of doing men's, women's, under-20s, so we could effectively be talking about the Six Nations. Like for six like months six of Six months. Nations, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of call-ups to squads, um, Adam Hastings is back in the uh, in the frame for the Italy game, uh, which, to be fair, he'd be very, very good this season. <laughs> And I thought it was a bit mad he wasn't called up in the first place. And it's in Rome. So yes. obviously the hope is to defeat Italy by via the sunlight bouncing off his teeth. Exactly. Uh, is the plan. But yeah, I he has mean, been good. Yeah. It was a bit strange he wasn't called up in the first place. But you yeah. can't you can't, you know, you can't overestimate that, you know, the towering presence in international rugby that is Blair King on. Literally well, exactly. and figuratively. Quite literally. I mean it, to be honest with you, Finn Russell's quite lucky that Stuart Hogg's somehow having a worse tournament than him to deflect from the sort of yes. criticism of anything that's been happening in the Scottish ten shirt. But I think there's, it's perfectly reasonable for, for Adam Hastings to come in there and feel like he can challenge for some semblance of a place in that squad this week. Yes, yeah, Johnny so Gray back as well, of course. Uh, there's those two those two lads have dropped out of the Scottish well there's a few people who dropped out of the Scottish uh, squad but there's those two lads who just sound like an 80s uh, hip hop combo or peripheral members of Funkadelic Marshall yep. Sykes and Rufus McLean <laughs> Marshall Sykes absolutely sounds like he could have been in Funkadelic doesn't he Yeah and Yeah oh, heart, heartbreaking developments in the um news about John Green's best weekend ever Oh God! That that this was in between being dragged around every dress shop in Bath by my Funny, wife. How early did you get up on Saturday, pal? Yeah, when did you mow that lawn? Because it's quite a lot of dress shops in Bath. To be honest, well, I, see, I mean, I assume I haven't been to Bath City Centre in two years, but like, <laughs> there's plenty of money there, though, isn't there? Yeah, independent dress shops as well. Oh yeah, that's the thing. You know, they they they're firmly aimed. That city centre is firmly aimed at the yummy mummy demographic. So yeah, I was dress in a shop plenty. I was in a meeting thing talking about how to get people more involved in using technology. For, mm-hmm. And there was a, there was a person on the call who was who you know he just suddenly gives away the demographic immediately without having to say much. They said, "Yeah," she, they said. She said, "I find." If um, you can't use it, if it's not as easy to use as ordering a dress off Hobbs or Phase Eight, then I can't. Then I I can't basically use it. And I was like, you know, you just you just given away your your kind of financial bracket immediately there, yeah. haven't you? <laughs> yeah. For I mean, on a lot of levels, that said said quite. It says a lot, I, I could you know without even knowing what's going on, I know how old you are, and I generally know probably how much money you earn. So. <laughs> Uh, Who needs an algorithm, eh? Quite. Yeah, so Scottish stuff is happening there. Um, speaking of other stuff, um, speaking who isn't fit again, who isn't fit, Alex Dombrandt is not fit, they don't think. No, he's out. He's coveted up. But uh, Underhill is fit again, despite having something like 136 concussions in the past 200 days or something. Yeah, it's like he gets fucking 60 minutes of bath under his belt and he's straight back into the fucking... Which I suppose is fair enough. Which is fair enough. Which is similar to to the next news we probably got about injuries, about one game for your club and you're straight back in again. 
Yeah, indeed. And, you know, we weren't saying that about Felipe Falato. We no, we weren't. Or, no. big, or we're not going to say it about big Nosh, Josh Navidi. But, I mean, it feels like there's less desperate need for Sam. You nearly said Nosh Javidi then. And I think that Nosh. should be his name from now on. <laughs> Nosh Javidi. <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah. Or he's back uh, anyway, isn't he's he? He's back. Yeah, Alex Mitchell and Nick Dolly back in it as well. Uh, yeah, Manu obviously injured. Uh, Don Brandt, COVID and Johnny Hill. It's done for the whole tournament, mm. isn't he? The lower yes. leg stress injury, which I don't know what that means, but it sounds painful. It sounds like code for being too large to exist, effectively. <laughs> he, his, the bottom part of his legs cannot hand the, handle the pressure <laughs> anymore. It's, it's like big men in the NBA like have these sort of injuries that you've never heard of before, like sort of micro-fractures and in your knees and all this sort of stuff. And it's just like, things are just like you're too fucking big. Yeah, we've so not evolved like... enough to carry your frame yet. You just have to, this yeah. is to suffer. You've got to, this is what you have to suffer as a result of it. Yeah. We've well, already mentioned it, but Josh Navidi's fit. He is Played fit. the game fit for Cardiff Friday and is straight back in. And I mean, you know, you can't deny with that Cardiff performance, he showed that he was <laughs> a team performance wise, you know, it was surely proof that he's ready straight to go back into international rugby, you know. Linked to that news is that Ellis Jenkins is rubbish now, apparently. Yeah, it's a weird one, that, isn't it? Like, I mean, he obviously isn't, but obviously, you, he's like, suspend- you fuck off back to your club. Yeah, you now get to spend a fortnight in South Africa with the Blues as a nice consolation prize, I guess. Um, it's just a rapid fall from sort of grace for a man that would be touted as a captain, like possible captain. And there were pieces about candidate. him being the most important back row in Wales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three months ago, he, he seems he seems to be carrying every single drop of the can for that Ireland game, which is convenient given that Wales were just as shit against England for large portions, and he wasn't even involved. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, is there a feeling amongst the Wales sort of coaches that he's lost a step, or that he's you know he is not yet back to where he needed to be? To actually win, well, news uh, before we, news before we came on is who knows what Wales coaches think anymore because according to people on the inside, Seb Davis might be starting at six on Friday. Yeah, I've heard this, and <laughs> I genuine, I genuinely like, I you know, I've been prepared to admit <laughs> that I was wrong about well, not that I was wrong, but that, that Seb Davis has more to recommend him. Than previously appeared. Than anything to you've be the seen. Case. Yes. Yeah. Certainly. In a weirdly, in a Wales shirt, he becomes half decent at the moment somehow. So good for him, I say. Um, but I, you know, I don't think anybody thinks that he is the answer to <laughs> stopping that French back row. Um, yeah, it's not really like. Big Josh in his full pomp, Talupe and Jack Morgan might have done a decent job. I just can't see Seb Davis doing it. Sorry. No. Um, oh, an update, another update in the roller coaster of emotion that is John Green's possible best Saturday ever. Hello. Thankfully, she didn't like any of the dresses in the independent shops. And I managed to spend 20 minutes playing a two-grand guitar in guitar bits. 
So like, things have got a lot better again. So that's two, two lawnmowers, a rugby game, and a two grand guitar for a, for a reasonable period of time. Should have gone vintage in rare as well. Really pushed the envelope. Two grand guitar. Right. I was gonna say. To really seal the deal, John, you've got to tell us what it was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Any more news? Uh yeah, there's news. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um no, I think it's about all we can there's there's a lot of news, but we could be here for a very long time. We could. But uh, we're going to do some Six Nations previews later on about what it might mean for games, etc. Um, interesting. Ooh, um, Go on. Obviously, like I, I quite you know how Russia's been ditched from uh, everything. All, everything. Yeah, that now means that Tel Aviv Heat are uh, in the European, uh, the Rugby Europe Super Cup playoffs as a result, which is pretty good for a team that literally didn't exist, but. Six months ago, <laughs> not bad, <laughs> but I somehow ended up with like Josh Strauss and various other players from that's you know, where Josh Strauss, Gab- Gabby Ibitoye, and um, who else have they got? Oh, they've got Nick Groom somehow. Somehow they've ended Bloody up hell. with Nick Groom, yeah. I mean, it's it, they've clearly rolled the dice cash wise <laughs> to see what happens, and yeah. You know, they're they're through to the playoffs of the third tier of European competition. So yeah, fair play. Speaking of customers in Europe, but then frankly, if Russia, if Israel are allowed in Eurovision, I guess we can allow them in European competition as well. You mentioned Gabby Libertor. It made me think of another, you know, uh, arguably unfulfilled winger. Mm -hmm. Uh, Christian Wade has been in the news this week. Oh yeah, he's been uh... giving interviews. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, it was a bit of a stream of consciousness ramble, but he did say a kind of interesting thing around since he's been in the NFL, he's realised how I think the best way he didn't use these words, but he's sort of saying that you're forced to be kind of buttoned down in rugby. Yeah, especially if it looks like you might have an international career. Yeah, and I think that that is undeniably. Correct. Because like, like people who he knows are like a laugh and a bit mad. Yeah. He's like you're like a completely different person because somebody says you might play for England one day, so therefore you've mm. got to become. I mean, is it is it that? Un... And he says that's a problem with rugby. I don't know how. I don't know how specific to rugby it might be. I don't know if a lot of people are thinking this way now. I mean, I think there's definitely a sense that other sports, you know, football being a textbook example, allows young men, particularly young men of colour, to be their authentic selves a lot more than Rugby Union does, I think, you know, because it's, you know, it gets such a stiffy on about fucking ultimate team sport and all that shit. Yes. And I don't know, I just think... I just think that sort of thing of like the team is everything kind of does. They don't like personalities, do they? No, they really don't. And, you know, it, it was weirdly, it was the same with the NFL until not that long ago. And only mm. in the last 20 or so years have we seen, you know, players start to fully express themselves and be there. And, you know, to because it's, it's seen as uncouth in rugby union to draw attention to yourself. Like there are still plenty of people who watch the sport who think that celebrating a try is somehow 
and undignified. Not knowing your place and is uncouth. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was only in like was it later mid to late mid eighties when somebody like an England player first like celebrated a try at Twickenham. Yeah, and was slagged off by and the was slagged off the time, for sports it. correspondent, rugby correspondent. Yeah. Yeah, and so it, you know, it's 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 undeniably you know he's right. Rugby union has an absolutely massive problem with, and it's the same problem that your man Jay Z's Rock Nation have identified with. You know, rugby, and you know, rugby has all these interesting people and great, you know, thoroughly interesting characters with amazing stories to tell about who are they, you know, who they are, where they've come from, and their lives. And rugby gives you only the tiniest sliver of an ability to be that person and to demonstrate that. And if you do, it's got, even if you do, it's got to be through a very kind of forelock tugging worthy. Haven't I come from shit to make it to this hallowed ground of Twickenham vibes. And I just, yeah, it's hard to. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it, You've made the point before when we talked about TV that all dramas now are about stinkingly rich people. Yeah. And there's something... Um, and and it, I think it's because all of the kind of... It's probably always been this case, really, but it, even though it seems like all the popular narrative now is kind of... It either is middle class or it's kind of upper middle class aspirational. So mm. any kind of working class upbringing is is painted as as living in a cave yeah, with no well, lights yeah. and 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 like having to like scratch letters into a rock for your education or something. When of course you are disadvantaged in a working in a, in kind of a working class background. I I grew up in one. I know, but it's it's okay. It is still living an, a bit of a normal life. Yeah, if you went to a state school, it doesn't mean that you don't know how to read, or that you <laughs> my, you know. My daughter's uh, applying for unis now. She wants to do children's nursing, and she's 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 doing okay. She's got an offer from Leeds, and they've given her a contextual offer, so they've reduced the normal offer because of the school that she went to and where she's from. It's mm. almost like you know, it's I mean, which is great because it should be more inclusive. But it is almost there is a bit like you know, well, we're amazed you can even fucking use a knife and fork. It, so, it is, you know, it, it's, it's you know, so you know, it, let, you don't have to try to. But then again, it should be more accessible that way. That's the thing; it's, it's a fine line to tread. But it's like it's the I way am, that people. I'm torn treat. up about it in that it is right, but it is it is kind of patronising as well. You know? Yeah, it's in the same way that they treat. Ellis Genge, like he's some sort of fucking zoo attraction whenever they interview him in the mainstream press because he's a rugby player who came from Noel. You know, yeah. is just fucking so gross and I hate it. And it's clear that he's really fucking sick about it as well. Like he's fed up of people asking the same old shitty questions about. Him, where he came from and how rough, how rough was it? Where you know it's fucking like, yeah. in the same way that people did you, you know, literally have to fight your way to school every morning? <laughs> yeah, you it's having like, to slap it's, drugs away as you were trying to walk to maths. Yeah, it's like it's like sort of misery voyeurism, isn't it? It's like how tell us how shit your life was before you <laughs> came here, and it's like Jesus, man, like just you know, there are despite what. There isn't actually that much difference between somebody 
from a working class background and somebody from a middle class or an upper class background, aside from the massive fucking privilege part. They're all fundamentally fucking human beings at the end of the day. They're not dramatically, they're not living in a totally different existence and world. And it, and it is harder to get somewhere if you come from a background like Ellis Gens when you, when you, when you lay on class 100% and race it is, and yeah. everything else. It, it is harder. How, but and it's difficult because I'm one of these people who talks constantly about how what you're fighting against when you Yeah, and it should be absolutely well, sorry, celebrated. It's not so much that your life is so terrible. It's yeah. just that you don't have access to the privileges and connections that other people do. There's a difference between not having access to the privileges and connections and living an absolute miserable, shithole, horrible life. Not everybody yeah. who's working class lives a miserable, shithole, horrible life. They no. just don't have as easy access to what you do. Exactly. Well, then and when they just... fi- you finally manage to get there, they're like, oh, haven't you done incredibly to claw your way out of that fucking <laughs> dustbin that you had to live in? Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah, no. it's like you know, they it genuinely... was a council estate, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They genuinely think that anybody that's fucking come from a working class area is effectively Oscar the Grouch and they lived in a bin. <laughs> and it's like, no, like they could just be like normal people whose parents, you know, or parents managed to get by and give them a relatively okay life. But they, you know, within the context of the slightly hairy environment that they lived in. And it's just like, you know, you can, I just find it like gross when it's like, you want to talk to somebody about like, like, imagine talking to Sia Khaleesi about how Ellis Genge grew up as if it was a bad thing. <laughs> like, yes. you know, and I just think like, yeah, we need to just stop like, like you say, it absolutely should not shut up about it because no. it's important. But at the same time, we shouldn't be, wallowing in the misery of his upbringing or the shitness of his upbringing or the toughness of his upbringing, you know, basically vicariously going, ooh, isn't that... For the same reason that people listen to true crime podcasts, you know? It's like... (laughs) It's like... I don't want that sort of, like... It's the Angela's Ashes misery memoir stuff. Yeah, Yeah, or the same reason that people are fucking searching on Twitter for fucking videos of... Or the shit that's going on in Ukraine at the moment. It's like his his sort of shit upbringing is not your fucking entertainment. Anna Seligman makes a point that I'd argue Oscar the Grouch was middle class. First, he was called Oscar, fair point. And secondly, mm-hmm. he owned his own home. I mean, there was no evidence that he actually owned that bin. That's true. He was and just... most bins are council supplied. I think that exactly. was like council housing. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. Maybe they're not council supplied in America. I don't know, but... Uh... Either way, yeah, I, he probably should have cheered up a bit, though. I mean, yeah, you he know? did have a roof over his head. So, <laughs> before this lid. becomes the four Yorkshiremen sketch, we need to uh, <laughs> move on. Uh, mainly because I do not want to be in any way associated with pretending to be a Yorkshireman, even if it's pretending to be one. I don't want to be one. So, um, yeah, why don't we get on to that? Oh, Christian Wade making a oh, point. Yeah, yeah. That he's basically said I hated rugby anyway. Now, isn't he? Yeah, which Although, you know, fair enough. His NFL career looks to be near. He's pretty much over now, isn't it? I mean, his NFL career went. And to be honest with you, it went better than I expected because he actually appeared in a preseason game. Yes, and did something quite good. But other yes. than that, it went entirely as expected. But fair play to him for giving it a go. Indeed, 
and it was a new adventure and all that. He's thirty now, so yeah, it's, it's <laughs> he's definitely he's definitely made more money being on the practice squad of an NFL team than he would have been playing on the wing for what? Yeah, address which... that problem, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me, yeah. Okay, so any more news from you? Uh, no, fuck it. Okay, do we do we want to talk about the weekend now? I think we should. I think we, we probably better should, shouldn't and, we? And uh, yeah. that means that we say goodbye to our non-patron listeners for a little while. Bye. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right, we're going to move it on because we've got to talk about Six Nations as well. So that's the end of the weekend chit-chat. Yes. And we'll pick it up again. It's shit good anyway. Yeah, we will. We welcome back our non-patron listeners. Hello. And we're going to talk about the Six Nations games coming up this weekend. It's the... Um, yeah, we are. It's the Friday Night Lights fixture. Oh, yes. Everyone's favourite is back, back, back. Before we talk about that, just remind us to everybody that we are partnered with Match Pint for the Six Nations. Yeah, We've got our own special league in which I am now in 172nd. I've soared 30 places soared, yeah. um, since, since last time again? by actually predicting all three results correctly for the first time this, uh, <laughs> this uh, not in terms of scoreline, but I did pick the result, the actual winner correctly. So, yeah, so that's the, you can go to Match Pint. So you've got the Match Pint app. You go on the Guinness Pint Predictor and you can join our league by using the code Blood and Mud. And if you guess the result right, you get to give a pint of Guinness to somebody. And if you guess the result within a certain number of points, you get a pint of Guinness for yourself as well free nice. now to give it somebody as a gift gifting gifting guinness or you can drink your own um so that's what that is if you've got the match pint app you just go to the pint predictor and say join the league and put blood and mud in or you can download the match pint app and do exactly the same thing all very straightforward there's 250 odd people playing so well done to everybody's joined already and you can all come and get involved so please do now we're gonna have a go at predicting now so i would advise you don't pay any fucking attention for the next uh, no, I really 15 wouldn't. minutes or so of this is. podcast because it's it won't do you any good but we're gonna have a bit of a, a chat about it ourselves so yeah friday night yeah it's friday night on um at the millennium stadium Indeed. only 60 percent of tickets sold apparently <sighs> honestly why are they still doing this Friday night shit? Nobody asked them to. Nobody asked um, them. Anyway, yeah, we could go on for it. Let's talk about the game. We can moan about that forever, as we've probably done before. So Wales play France. Seb Davis at six. We don't know if that's true or not, but that's the, that's the leakage that's come out. Yeah. I mean, I think you're looking at, obviously you're looking at France here. 
Yes. I mean, it's hard to see past France, surely. Um, I think it's going to be quite like a generous 13 points where France probably aren't as precise as they'd like to have been and leave a lot of points out there. And Wales maybe nick something jammy at the end to make it look vaguely respectable. I think the best thing that France can do is defend in exactly the same way as they did for that last four, half an hour or so against Scotland, where they just yeah. held the line, didn't go into the ruck much, and just went, yeah, just see what you can do from there. And what Wales will do is throw two passes out to one runner in midfield. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely true. And, and yet... all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Because weirdly, France have not I've occasionally struggled to sort of be amazing against Wales for some reason, and I don't know why. So I'm sort of factoring that in. But I still think even then, you're looking at at least 10 or 15 points. I think France by, yeah, France by 12, I'm going for. But it'll be rel- it'll be relatively comfortable whichever way. You yeah, Johnny Ball says, "Will France be bothered by this fixture?" I really can't see it. I think they're absolutely bothered by this fixture. I think they want to win a fucking Grand Slam, and <laughs> you know they they know they've only got to win two more games, and it's theirs. And if they beat Wales, it's almost certainly they're going to win the title. So, pff, yeah, surely. Surely this is going to be quite comprehensive. Yeah, I agree. So France by, I'm saying 12, you're saying, give me a number. 13, please. 13. Then going um, chronolog- in, in order, chronologically, mm-hmm. that is right. Um, then we've got Italy, Scotland in Rome on the Saturday. I think this is, I think this is a game that if Scotland, uh, that Italy will have been targeting as their potential chance to maybe cause an upset, especially given how indifferent Scotland are playing. But I just think this Italian team are too fucking young, man. (laughs) And they're just not... There's only so many tens they can pick on the bench. And (laughs) I just think Scotland will do that thing that... England sort of did where they won't be very impressive, but they will have enough in the back division to score quite a lot of points, I think. I think, well, obviously Scotland are going to win, but I think I think this might be quite relatively comprehensive. I think Scotland are going to come out. I think they're going to pick the wrong time to play brilliantly. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah same. I mean? They're going yeah. to make a big point and mm. sort of go for it and probably win by 25, I think, even in... <laughs> even yeah, in. I- I was saying by 19-ish, so. And I'm yeah. probably going conservative. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's probably that's probably how that's going to go. And then the final game, which is, I think, 4.45 on Saturday, um, you've got England versus Ireland. Yeah, which... It's a weird one, this, because all logic tells us that Ireland are about... 300% better than England right now. 100%. 100%. They are 300% better, yes. Um, but I remember thinking that in the opening game of 2019 when England fucking battered them in Dublin. Then again, they yeah. had money that day. And now I've got money. Oh, so this is, this is the, the thing is, like, 
you look at there'll be no Don Brandt, there's no Manu, there's no there's a real lack of big lad in this England team at the moment. And Ireland have a cornucopia of big lads of various shapes and sizes. Very well drilled big lads, the worst kind. Yeah, who will just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming until they're tired and then they'll bring another big lad on. And I just think... I think this will be one of those games where it won't be as comprehensive as it probably should be because I think Ireland have got a bit of a thing about playing at Twickenham. But I think it'd be one of those games that looks seems closer than it should be right until the end and probably isn't decided by more than a converted try. But on the balance of play, it's an unbelievably comprehensive England never looked like scoring Ireland win. <laughs> but I just think I think Ireland will let England hang around. But that's probably about as I mean, good as I can are at home. It. It's not easy. No, I mean, which we, we sounds like we're easing towards picking three away wins this week, which is not that regular, is it? So I, I agree with you. I don't think you, even though Ireland looks so much better, there is still mm. the twicking of thing. Yeah. Somebody should probably, you know, somebody in that England team is going to stand up and, you know, they're not going to just let Ireland waltz in, are they? And win. But I don't know. I just can't. I just think this England team will need so much more guile. And I just think Ireland are dying. They're not. I mean, they might be literally stronger if you like. Let's just mm. next to each other and ask them to lift weights. I don't know. But they're <laughs> dynamically a lot stronger. 100%. Do you know what I mean? And in they look of, like the... the patterns that Ireland run that allow people to run their weight. Yeah, consistently, and it's and, the exact, you know, it's almost the opposite of where England are in terms of their development of this new way of playing. In the, I said it last week, England have no discernible patterns. I saw about two no. patterns last week that they were actually running. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that Jack Noel was like, "Oh yeah, we watched the video back. We saw that you know we did a lot of good things on attack." And my first thought was like, "What fucking game did you watch, pal?" Because England did not do any good things on attack at all. And even the bits where it went right for them, you kind of feel like it wasn't almost it wasn't intentional. But yeah, I just think I wouldn't be I wouldn't be hugely shocked if England managed to sort of eke out an unlikely win. But I've got every time we do these prediction games, it always there's always that that somebody says. I think yeah. they're going to lose quite comfortably, but I wouldn't be surprised if they won. Yeah, I mean that is the beauty of the Six Nations in a lot of ways. Is that like there there is still this level of uncertainty in some aspects and some fixtures where you know I'm, you never know like who. I mean, you're you trying know, to make win. you're trying to make a prediction here, aren't you? And you can only base it on what you've seen. And yeah. England have had two weeks to work on whatever wasn't working. Yeah. But it's not really been working for a while. Yeah. But if England like, do win, they'd have to be they'd either have to do such a fucking revolutionary change in two weeks that they come up to the level Ireland have been at. Mm. Or they do enough of a change to look like a better team and Ireland somehow have a really bad day because it's at Twickenham. Yeah, I mean that is the the sort of the, the first thing isn't going to happen. They're not going to be no. they're not going to be as good no. as Ireland were in in the, the games they've played so far in the last no in in the space of two weeks. They're just not. 
And so I just think, yeah, the only way that this becomes a, a real contest, and I, I genuinely think Ireland might have a bad day, but I still think they probably will be have enough to win that game more comfortably than it looks on the scoreboard. Is Sexton fit? Isn't it? I mean, is he ever fit? Yeah. Well, yeah, but is he? <laughs> sorry, yeah. Is he lashed together enough to start? I, I believe game? so, yes. Although, to be fair, you might be great. It'll be, like, it'll be the endless hitch kicks versus the endless loop arounds, <laughs> won't it? And whichever comes out on top. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, they're probably going to fucking lose now, aren't they? Island by seven, I'm saying. I would, I've also written down Island by seven, and I think that's. There you go. Yeah, we can be unanimously wrong. That's a lovely yeah. touch. Oh, that's yeah. nice, isn't it? Okay, so there you go. So obviously, you can go with those predictions. I wouldn't if I was you, but it's an no. option that's open to you. But if you if you you can go on and put your own predictions on match part in our uh, league blood and mud. Shall we do shit good to finish off? I think we probably should. Oh, God, you're yawning. Yawning. Sorry, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, have you got anything? What have you got this shit? Um, the whole revelations around Paul McCrory and uh, who is obviously the chair of the concussion in sport group, which really, yeah, who, who's, who has been found to have plagiarized uh, stuff that he wrote in the early to mid 2000s. Um, and it really should make us question everything that we think we know about concussion and sport, which is alarming. Mm. Because, yeah, he's one of the world's most foremost experts on brain injury. The the CISG is this body of doctors and academics who whose main job is to basically meet periodically and determine the processes by which professional sports treat head injuries. You know, HIAs, return to play, play protocols, all of that stuff in rugby union and football and the NHL and the NFL is all decided by this group of academics who have already been heavily criticized because it's all funded by the sporting bodies themselves. And therefore there's a question yeah. about how impartial they're really being, you know, this, and so McCrory, who is this group's chair is this sort of suspect, you know, and he has been a vocal skeptic of all of the sort of stuff that's come out in the U S about the links between concussions and CTE in fact, he went as far as say all the carry on and hoo ha from the United States was how he described <laughs> <laughs> described the whole concussion stuff and the whole NFL CTE lawsuit. You know, he's probably the and he's got the suspect moral character that he'd plagiarize an academic paper, which in academic circles is about the worst thing you can possibly do. And it just it's a it's unacceptable, frankly, that World Rugby has trusted this man with the health and well-being of current players. And when you look at the whole Tom Francis thing, proving once again how unlike suitable the current rules are for and how unfit for purpose they are, it just makes you think: Fuck, is does any is any of this stuff that they're doing actually fucking safe and sensible, or is it just stuff that a bunch of fucking mavericks and charlatans have drawn up in a room to kind of sat to convince? fans and journalists and players that these games we're playing are safe when actually they're really fucking not. And I just, yeah, it's fucking, I find it mind-blowing. Yes. Not much <laughs> to add to that, really. No, is it's, it's, it's like, well, what do you fucking do? Speaking, speaking of which on the shit front, 
fucking Ratu Nalago, Bristol winger. Yeah. Former witness rugby league man, just back from his ban for a high, uh, a red card for a high tackle against Worcester, lasted 13 minutes before getting another one for a high tackle. The coaching interventions are not working to change behaviour, clearly, because um, he went to tackle school and learned maybe, fuck all. Maybe they were designed for people who don't need the rugby league knocking out of them. You know, it's, it's, it's a, a variable that they didn't consider that they were designing the programme. Yeah, but, you know, we had the same with Jacob Umago. He came back and did another stupid thing in his first game back, and they just... I don't think they work. Imagine the full rugby do. league players. So... Plant your feet, keep on moving, drop. You go in and low, in and low. Right, go on. Oof, right, okay. Let's um, let's do that again, shall we? Because um, obviously he's he's not out now, isn't he? So let's um, can we get a can we get another? No, yeah. nobody, Any, no one volunteers. Okay, volunteer? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yes, I mean, he's going to get. He's, I, I assume he's going to get banned for quite a while now. But fuck me, what? A, the only the only thing that tackle school seems to have done is that he realised he was going to get a sent off before he got sent off this time. <laughs> yeah. It was like he put his hand in the air. It was just like, oh god, I've done it again. There's, there's one of the. It's one of the. I know it's not great because the reason you're being sent off is not great. But one of the most no. wonderful things you ever see in sport is somebody who knows exactly what's going to happen yeah, and yeah, starts yeah. walking before it even happens. <laughs> yeah, it was basically that he didn't walk, but everything about his body language was just like, yeah. oh god, I've I've learned enough in the last three weeks to know that I've I've fucked up again. There's a brilliant clip from the Challenge Cup in the. I think it was a it was a late nineties. It was um, Brian McDermott, who's a coach now, played prop for Leeds Rugby League, ex uh, Marine, international prop forward and boxer. So you can imagine the level of hard you're dealing with. Long story short, he he knocked about three people out with three punches. As they ran towards him, he just hit them. All three of them went down, and he just turned and walked off as the referee came towards him. So he was like, I've, "I've fucking done it now. Done it That's it. I'm yeah. going." Yeah. Yes, uh, it was a wonderful moment. I must try. I wonder if that's on YouTube somewhere. It must be. But anyway, it must be. What else have we got? This shit. Neil Weber gets in touch. He says, "Shit is Bristol." He watched Italy play with thirteen and thought it looked fun. The indisciplined <laughs> birds. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Pamela Coots gets in touch. She says, "Shit is Glasgow's total collapse. It's becoming a re- recurring problem." She said, "However, she said good is it was my first away trip since COVID hit." Glasgow fans, uh. Pamela. Uh, Scarlets were welcoming hosts, and despite the result, we managed to have a really good time. Hashtag rugby values. She didn't do that. Hey, I just said on. that. Okay, good. No, but genuinely, going, going on a way trip and being welcomed by fans and having a nice time is a genuinely rugby thing. It's very true, yeah. And it is one of the nicest things about it. You don't have to be held separate by police, and you can sing to each other in pubs and it not turn into a riot and things like that. I mean, it is good. It is good. Michelle Tracy gets it. in touch and says that shit is the kiss mi- kit mismatch between Bristol and Loughborough women. It was very hard to follow. Oh, I didn't it was see fucking it. hard. I didn't see it that, was... Michelle, but I, Josh backs you up was... on this one. Yeah, because Loughborough play in dark blue and sort of pinky purple, and it's sort of more pinky purple than dark blue, but Bristol play in a kit that's dark blue with like dark with red on it, and it was a fucking mess, to be honest. Somebody should have brought an away kit there. 
I didn't watch it, but if I did, I'd just been watching Simi Pam anyway, so I wouldn't. Well, the opposition would have been yeah. irrelevant to me. Assuming she was playing, I, I apologize. I'm not following. Yes, she was. She was starting. First start since the injury. Uh, L L Lou gets in touch. She said, "Shit, was Bristol losing to Bath in the 85th minute after being 21-5 up at half time?" Yes, with 13 I mean, men you, though, as Josh said, you before. can't legislate for, 30, <laughs> for playing most of the game against 13. Yes, and the fact they held it together for that long with 13 is testament I mean, yeah, to something. We're not sure it is. what. You know, they were nearly winning. You know. <laughs> Uh, Colin McBride gets in touch and says, shit, is the otherwise excellent Holly Davidson going full fun police and ruling out Ulster's coast-to-coast try at the end of the Ulster versus Cardiff match? Yeah. She is quite an officious referee, <laughs> is how I would politely describe her. <laughs> like most of them, really. She knows the... She very, she's very... Unlike Nigel Owens, she is very, very... Well versed in the laws, and she'll well let you know that she laws. is. Yes. Oh, absolutely so. <laughs> Have you got any more shit? Um, no, I think we're done with. My well, final one energy. for me, for us is uh, Georges Gotal gets in touch and says, "Shit is Toulouse's season. It's brutal as a fan to watch." I, t- I tell you what, man. Like it's sort of it's funny from the uh, sort of top fourteen perspective, like how badly things are going for them because and it's it's entirely because practically all of their play like because of the ridiculous nature of the top 14 you know they're basically still playing every single week even though the six nations are going on and it's you know their entire fucking squad is in the france squad and like <laughs> even the play, even the players that when you I noticed this in the Scotland game, like even the players in that first, you know, there's a lot of in that first fifteen for France. There's a lot of Toulouse players, but by and large, when you take off the players that aren't Toulouse players in that first fifteen for France, they're usually getting replaced by a Toulouse player. So <laughs> it's like it's I don't know where you. You know, I don't know what you do, but they've lost like something like eight or nine on the bounce now to lose, and it's all—it's been since the start of the Six Nations. They've—they'd only lost like one game, or I think they maybe hadn't lost any games in the top fourteen all season before the Six Nations, and now they've lost eight on the bounce. Now they know it's going to be a Welsh region. Yeah, exactly. They're basically—they're basically, they're basically <laughs> a turbocharged version of a Welsh region, and they've gone from first to seventh. Now, don't get me wrong, as soon as all the fucking cavalry come back, I'm sure that things will, you know, normal service will it's be time to run for the playoff. Yeah. And this thing, but you look at the France squad in this year, like, and it's just like, how do you, you know, how, how can you still carry on, like, playing your domestic league? I mean, I suppose in many ways it's... But like you know, Julian Marchant and Malvaka, both of Toulouse's hookers, both in the France squad. Cyril Bay in the France squad. Thibaut Flamant, both in the France squad. Their best lock, Francois Crow and Jelanche, their two best back rows in the France squad. Obviously, their half backs in the France squad. 
you know, it's it's their second choice crazy halfback in the France. Yeah, exactly. Their second choice crazy halfback Tom Ramos in the France squad. You know, uh, Matis Lebel, who's the you know best young winger in the fucking France squad. It's like (laughs) who's left? I I genuinely don't know who's played. And I kind of because obviously it's on at like ten o'clock on a Saturday night or whatever. I you know will occasionally watch the top fourteen on Premier Sports and. I'm looking, you know, I'm like, this is some. I'm somebody who's played an entire season of Toulouse on Rugby 22. I know that <laughs> squad quite well, and there's quite a lot of players playing. I'm just like, who are you? You're not even in the fucking. You're not even in the game, mate. Jatoon's there. Jatoon's there, obviously. Yeah, interesting stuff. <laughs> it's funny though because a team this good should never ever lose eight games on the bounce. And don't get me wrong, their squad is their team is still good enough that they should be winning some of these games, but they found some comedy ways to lose, like that try that Stade Francais scored to win the game. The comedy way to lose is usually playing Tom Ramos at ten. I mean, it's true. Yeah, no, they can't even do that in that position as well now. No, they can't. I genuinely don't know who they're playing at ten now. Probably Zach Holmes. It is. Which is Zach Holmes. Yeah, not me. Um. Right, that's the shit then. What have we got that's yeah. good? My good was Tavis Noyle on, on leaving the Dragons, but we've done that one already. Today. Yeah, my good was Fiji and Drew on a Pacifica, so I guess we'll throw it out to the, the Yeah, kids. John Pulley gets in touch. He says, good is the MLR continues to be a barrel of ramshackle fun. 42-year-old former sevens player of the year, Orene Ai, and Gil yes. coach stepping in last minute to play 10 for them. Is like something that would happen in our league, and I'm all here for it, says John. Yeah, he's he's 42. He was their backs coach, <laughs> and he somehow has just ended I up playing. It. It's brilliant, man. I like and fucking carved it up by all accounts. Which, yes. yeah, he's the Giltinis now, and he somehow ended up starting at 10 for the fucking Giltinis. It was, let's not forget. The fucking reigning champs, <laughs> and they've got a beautiful new kit. Of course, the, um, yeah. Well, honestly, this is this is yet more reason why everyone should stop trying to professionalize rugby too much. No, and just start because... watching the MLR or use it as a model for everything. Yeah, like you know, the MLR. Let international is rugby take fun. care of all that fucking post yeah, 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 professionalism. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> Everything below international rugby should effectively be mental. And <laughs> yes. that is the niche that you yeah. talk about growing the game. Let yeah. the women's game continue to grow and be great, and the men's yeah. game should go increasingly more mad. I can embrace agree. full WWE scenarios 100%. Yes, you know, there's who really enjoys watching Leinster or Saracens win everything every year. Like, let's introduce some genuine chaos into this and see what happens. Yeah, cage matches, hell in a cell, yeah, all those matches. kinds of things. Never mind Rock Nation, like the Irk have got. <laughs> Go directly to Vince McMahon and see if he's interested. That's what I say. <laughs> uh, James Reese gets in touch and says, Good is the Ospreys' back row against Zebra. Morgan Morris could easily be on the plane to SA in the summer. I mean, yeah, he played a bit of seven, which is kind of a new thing because he's been eight all season. But, like, 
it was a rancid game, but that back row did play real fucking good. Dan Lydia was just Dan Lydia in it all over the place. Robert James Oram gets in touch says, Good is somebody finally being carded for afters on a try scorer. Yes, this was in the Leicester. <laughs> we didn't talk about it before in the Leicester game, did we? Oh, uh, yeah. It's quite early doors as well. Ref wasn't it messing was. around. Get off 10 no. minutes. Yeah. And a it, was Craig, it was Max, it was Craig Maxwell Keys, wasn't it? He is pretty yeah. sensible with stuff like that. Or have no shit, even early doors. Uh, Stu Clark gets in touch. He says, Good is 56 unanswered, unanswered points in 55 minutes with some shift from Edinburgh in a game where they were mints for the first 25. Connor Boyle and Ben Muncaster running riot was good to see from the young lads, yeah. I like the name Ben Muncaster. That's very That's uh, Dick, very it's Dickensian. Name. It is. Sounds sort of made up. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ross Mather or Ross Mather says good was wasps bye week means that the CBS is that what it's called now the CBS Arena. It is, yeah, which is Coventry Building Society Arena, not right. CBS, the TV network. But it's it'll like always it's be the all... traitor dome to me, Ross. But yes, um, <laughs> so the bye week meaning that the big stadium was turned over to wasps women, who were who oh, dominated nice. against Quinns. Yeah. She said, uh, and he also says, in that game, Maud Muir swapped from loose head to tight head in the second half and was utterly dominant on both sides of the scrum. You just don't see, see enough of that these days. I was going to say, this is another thing that we need to get back into with club rugby. It's like, if we're going to make club rugby mad, let's have more players just propping on either side, depending on what they feel like. Let's make it happen. Like, what, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, I, I suppose the worst that could happen is something horrendous. And somebody could get injured. Yeah, somebody get really badly injured. Under the yeah, field. really badly hurt. But you know, from well, my you know. perspective, nothing bad can happen. <laughs> and that's all that uh, matters. Mary Williams says is that good is the women women's Six Nations on the telly from the twenty sixth of March. We've alluded oh, to that before, yeah. but yes, it will be on the TV, not live streaming and all that shit. Will be that as well, but it'll actually have mm-hmm. TV broadcast as well. Um. John Horan gets in touch. He says, "Good, but he says this is good, but looks dangerous." Which is the news that uh, Georgi Zangirian, former president of the UK Ukrainian Rugby Union, eighty-three years old, is fully fucking um, camouflaged up with an AK forty-seven. Fair play, ready to go. Fair should the shit hit the fan. Eighty-three. <laughs> yes. Probably is dangerous, John. Take that, cap- take that, Captain Tom. Okay, yeah. What are you doing, Captain Tom? Walking st- <laughs> walking up and down your drive without an AK forty seven in sight. If you if you were a real like you know hero, you'd have been shooting yeah. COVID out of the sky with a Damn machine right. gun. <laughs> Do we have anything else? I don't think so. I. Captain Tom shooting COVID out of the sky with a machine gun is the perfect way to end this podcast, surely. It must be, yes. Surely. Josh, I thank you, as always. It's always a pleasure. We thank everybody out there for watching on the live stream. Hello, those of you who are on the Hello. live stream, which you get access to if you're a patron. And if those of you who are listening, just then we you know, thank you to you as well. Thank you to everybody who gives you support. We will speak to you next Monday when we'll have more Six Nations games to review and more of just how wrong we were with predictions to talk about. Thank you, everybody. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Josh. Goodbye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.